0: Welcome in everybody to your late edition of the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in our podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, it helps get the show out there, share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at LonghornPod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. You can also catch us on our Facebook page, where we do all of our post-game live streams. Won't be one this week because, well, there's not a game by week. Hashtag what's up. But we will be back next week following what should be a uh, blowout against Kansas. My name is Gerald Gooder. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who, like me, can no longer say he's never been ratioed. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you?
1: It's good it's good to have the haters uh, let the hate flow through you I like to feel it for those of you who follow us on Twitter you saw people didn't like our takes I still like our takes uh, it's good it means you' it means you're living Gerald it means you're saying things that are getting the people listening if you're getting uh, Horatio Sands if you're getting um, uh, ratio is really just Latin for rational so um, that's not true but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah it's good if you're if you're tweeting and you're not getting ratioed at least you know once every couple years, then, then you ain't really you ain't really living ain't really tweeting
0: you know it's fine like you and I have have often said that we are we are cautiously optimistic and so sometimes you know what our it's taken as sunshine pumping and that's fine it is what it is but We're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about a Texas team that managed to uh, eke out a win that probably shouldn't have been an eke out, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. The uh, other programs on campus had a fairly successful week, specifically the volleyball teams. we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, And then we'll close the show out with some bang the drum. So Texas, um, I'm just going to go ahead and say it survived a game that they probably should have won by 17,000 more points. Uh, (laughs) The Texas Longhorns uh, welcomed in a West Virginia Mountaineers team. That was good, but probably not as good as what the statistics said uh the texas defense showed up and showed out i'll just go and say it like they have for basically the last five games even though some points were scored on them the defense is why texas has the record that it does at least in the last five games hashtag three and two but the story of that game is the defense shutting down west virginia and the offense doing just enough to get things done and so so Kyle, as Texas escapes uh, a 17 to 13 win that felt like it should have probably been 35 to 13, uh, we have to start. And, and my initial takeaways are all we can start positive, we can start negative. And Kyle, uh, because I apparently have the wrong instincts on that, where, where should we start?
1: Uh, we should probably start with the defense. Um, if if. If, if I'm talking about that West Virginia game, the only reason that we're talking about it with any sort of optimism or positivity is the defense, right? There was multiple chances if they just played an average game that, that West Virginia takes advantage and has one of their classic comes to Austin ekes out a stupid win um, that they should have lost. There's been a couple of those the past few years for sure. Um, I said it at the end of the podcast, you know, it seems like it, it makes perfect sense, right? If you lived in, in Morgantown, wouldn't you want to play uh, in Austin anyway? So they bring their Literally best. anywhere. <laughs> they bring their best at least twice in their career. Uh, you know, down the highways or country roads to the city of Austin. Um, and, and West Virginia did not bring their best. Don't don't hear me say that. That did Texas outplayed a West Virginia team and left it all out on the field. No, 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 no. Texas did a good job um, stopping a West Virginia team that was far from perfect. And and just you know, in a in a battle of of. Um, Ineptitude, whether whether designed by the other team or executed by uh, their own team on offense, uh, Texas defense was ultimately the victor. And I don't know if a lot of people would have said that. Again, we'll, we'll talk about West Virginia's defense in a moment. But um, this, to me, just to put it, uh, you know, uh, kind of a headline on it was, and I did my article uh, for Horn Sports was so this was one of the the best Ben don't break defensive performances I've ever seen specifically um in the second half and and anyone who watched the game knows exactly what I'm talking about um with with multiple fourth and and you know yards from inside the five inside the 10 stops um from the defense that that you know again if neil brown takes field goals on those it's a different uh trajectory but honestly he's trying to win he, he made the probably the right call and the defense made the right place right 13 points on five red zone trips is almost, almost Belichickian, right? I think Bill Belichick is the guy I think of when I think about Ben Don't Break. There was that famous year, the Philly Special Super Bowl in 2017. They were uh, 32nd in yards per drive, but somehow 6th in points per drive. And there's literally never been in my... That's actually sorcery, but there's never been in my life a better example of that of bend don't break right you're letting them come you're, you're absorbing it taking it but then there's something about your defense just goes up to that next level you stiffen that back a little bit when you get inside your own 25 your own 20 uh all of a sudden the the you know the the intermediate stuff isn't there you don't have the overtop. everything compresses and you just you know go into super saiyan mode and this defense really did i mean i think they came up uh they came up big there obviously was a drop um from a west virginia player in the end of the, again could have uh, altered the storyline we're talking about but even even without that I mean just made play after play after play after play um, and you have to give them credit you have to say how many times did they set the offense up for success and then weren't rewarded by you know a long drive to catch them a breath or even points to give them a little space uh, I think they they guarded the stat for me was they guarded a uh, a one score lead. For 17 minutes and 31 seconds, Uh, the last, you know, basically 17 and a half minutes of the game, they protected a one-score lead. You cannot ask for any more uh, than that from your defense.
0: And I've said this before, and I hopefully won't have to say it ever again, but, like, Mike Yursich owes Chris Ash like at least 40% of his salary this year. Uh, the number of times that the defense has come up with a big stop and the offense just kind of sneezed it away, uh, mm. and I've, I, I've described it more colorfully uh, both via text and in my living room, but like <laughs> the inability of the offense to, to come up with a, 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 a streamlined game plan, we'll talk about that in a little bit when we get to the offense, but while we pour praise on the defense, like – I don't know how many times, how many ways I can say this, but like in the Big 12, yardage is a worthless defensive stat. And so if you're looking at the yardage that given up in this game, really like points per drive, they two and a half, two, two, two and a half is basically your break even point. And West Virginia came nowhere close to that. Ben, don't break is the name of the game in the Big 12, where you trade, and, and both teams called this right, where. Where Texas in the red zone? That's where you come up with stops. You force teams to go for field goals or make the hard choice. And field goals in the red zone are failures for any conference, but especially in the Big Twelve. So Neil Brown made the absolute right call going for it on those fourth and shorts in the red zone. But the defense played it perfectly. And I think the thing, and we talked about again, I, I'm I'm not great at Podstradas, but I'm really good at the at the football side of this. And so, <laughs> like we said, that Texas would likely scheme. West Virginia, similarly to what they did, Oklahoma State, where they're going to stop your run game, where they're going to stop you from getting your offense going in the run game, which is what both Oklahoma State and West Virginia thrive on, and force a quarterback to beat you that just can't do it. And this quarterback this week couldn't do it, and and that was because – Texas, even if you even if you add back in, because if you if you don't know this about college rushing stats, sacks are taken away from the rushing yardage, which is weird. So even if you add in the 15 yards of sacks that Texas had, 58 yards is the lowest output that, that West Virginia has had this year. Again, even adding back in the extra 15. And it's the second lowest only to uh UTEP that Texas has given up this year. And so like for for the Texas defense to bow up in that way, and when you look at it, like over the last three seasons, Texas, when they hold an opponent under 100 rushing yards, is 12 and 0. Oh yeah, 12 and 0 over the last two seasons. Because again, we say it all the time on this podcast: when you when you force a team to tip their hand, Texas has recruited pass rushers pretty well, even in spite of the lack of pressure they were able to get under Todd Orlando. Texas has played some some decent pass defense when a team has had to go pass only, pass first, and that's been the the story. Now we can talk about when Oklahoma state comes in and can crack off 150 rushing yards. And then you have your secondary guessing every down, but like in a game where the, the, the game is solely on the quarterback. When you can hold the team to a, to a low rushing total, Texas is undefeated. And so like that to me has been the key to success over these last couple of games is like, let's just shut down the ground game, right? Let's, let's, let's force a quarterback. They just can't flat do it. Again, Baylor, Oklahoma state, and now West Virginia, they've forced a quarterback to try to beat them who just doesn't have the arm to do it and it's worked out well
1: yeah and the game within the game right you, have, you we 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 did say you know if Jared Diggie's beating you you're having you know you you have some some issues to, to clear up but neil brown Turned in, you know, a halftime performance with adjustments, a, a halftime adjustments that I thought was pretty great. I think they had twenty one carries or twenty one um, rushes, uh, no, fifteen rushes, twenty one yards. Excuse me in the in the first half. Uh, and Brown basically said, "What what do we do? We can't move. This Texas defensive line is utterly stout." I think again, like you said, some of those were sack yards, but still utterly stout. What do we do? And so they said, "Okay, we're, we can't really trust Diggy to throw the over the top, you know, deep ball, take the top off." Uh, can we approximate a run game with just quick hitters still take that, you know, Texas pass rush out of it by getting it out of his hand quick. They did some orbit motion and some interesting things that I actually like. Um but what they really did, I mean, you went uh 19 for 27 in the second half for over 200 yards. And if you take away a throwaway, a drop and lo- uh balls batted down at the line of scrimmage, he threw 22 times and only didn't complete two of them that he was attempting to complete downfield. Um it, or three of them, excuse me. That's really, really good. Like, you know, nineteen of twenty-two of your uh, downfield attempted passes in the second half. So they they found a scheme that worked. But again, it worked because Chris Ash said, "All right, this is what they're doing. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to give up that intermediate. We're going to bend, don't break. We're going to absorb, and we're going to we're going to you know." We're going to assume that we can draw up the right blitz on third down with the Marvian Overshow and catch him coming. We're going to assume that, you know, our, our our senior safety, who who we think is a playmaker and Chris Brown's going to give something to flex about, which he absolutely did with a fourth down stop. We're going to assume that, you know, incredible play by B.J. Foster. He was certainly beat. They they, they ran a, a cutesy but smart play play on a fourth down, but he scrambled back from about six yards away from an open guy to, you know, get his hands and eyes distracted enough that it was a fourth down stop in the red zone to their tight end. Um, that's faith in your defense. It's faith in a scheme. And, and, and again, this is two weeks in a row, like we said, where it is a masterclass where Chris ass proved that he is an incredible defensive coordinator who is fit for the Big 12. I mean, it, it's all about scheme. It's all about uh, not giving up points. And, and ultimately, I mean, I, I think... It, We'll talk about individuals here in just a second in the defense because I think there's some guys who deserve shouting uh, shouting out. But I, I had one more stat for you, Gerald, that I really wanted uh, wanted you to hear. So even before this game, Texas was good in the red zone. I just didn't realize quite how good till I started doing the research. So like we always talk about, Gerald and I say, a field goal in the red zone is a win for the defense in the Big 12. We've said that many times on this podcast. So taking that into account, Texas, when I went through and looked at stats of red zone trips, Uh, In touchdown percentage, uh, is at 58%. Was about 22nd um, in in the country, so top 25 there. However, because they've bend don't break so frequently, and there is maybe some uh, some some infamy and and ignominy in this step, but uh, they are second in the nation coming into this week in defensive red zone. Uh, Trips without a touchdown. So the the offenses got there a lot and came away without a touchdown. And after adding four more to this, they actually, I think, passed Syracuse to be number one in the nation in red zone trips in which the other uh, offense did not score a touchdown. So that's incredible. To me, that is something. That is an identity. And that's what we've been asking for is, can we get an identity for this defense and for this Texas team?
0: And I think that that identity is emerging as a team that's downfield and physical, which is what we have been praying for. We've been offering burnt and grain offerings for the last three (laughs) seasons for this to be a downfield physical team. And, And it starts, uh, we talk, we can, we can talk really two groups that I think have, um, really, exemplified that, and that's a defensive line basically just playing a yard and a half beyond the, the line of scrimmage. It's like, hey, we're going to take this first yard from you and not let you have it. And then it really has been, and you put this in the notes, and I don't want to steal it from you, but the linebackers have been absolutely incredible uh, over the last probably three or four weeks, which was not what we said after the first three games, and so there's there's a lot to be said about the development of that group, and we're not going to really talk about like coaching changes or whatever on the podcast. That's not We, we don't know anything. We know absolutely nothing about it but like regardless of what the coaching situation is next year I want to see this 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 coaching staff on the defensive side stick around and cuz I think Hutzler has been a revelation I think uh, whatever's happening in the secondary with Jay Valai is working with the corners I think the safeties have been I I think there's a lot there's a conversation to be had about Caden Stearns and whether or not his body is just still up to the task after the injuries but when we focus in on the defensive line and the job that again letting a defensive end coach coach defensive ends letting a defensive tackle coach coach defensive tackles in a scheme that works for the talent you have has paid off and we're seeing it not just on the defensive line but in the linebacker room as well both of those groups are absolutely thriving, and it's been a pleasure to watch over the last three to four games.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right, and I think I think Coleman Hutzler is a guy we didn't really know what to read on. We, we were optimistic. We looked at his resume. We thought some things, but um, look, just take his, his tenure in Texas and judge him on that. I think right now he's potentially our, our best hire of the season if you look purely at development of what he's done in a short turnaround from week one, week two. You know, what our linebackers are doing. And I'm not just talking about DeMarvian and Overshone, who, who absolutely is growing every game and turning into, you know, the perfect Big 12 linebacker, but, but Juwan Mitchell, who, I mean, early in the season just was missing tackle. I mean, you think of that tech game, how many missed tackles our linebackers had, you know, certainly. It was a liability. Absolutely. And now they, are, I mean, it looks like a well polished top of, you know, a quarter of the Big 12 unit with the potential to, to be even higher. And, and like I said, as Overshone gets better and better and is adding new and new things, and, and and again, also doing the old things. He did it again this week where, where Overshown had, you know, I think eight tackles, two for a loss of sack and that beautiful pass breakup. Because you can put your linebacker in one-on-one coverage when he was a five-star safety who has that in the bag. You know, he's not forgetting the old stuff. Um, you know, it, it allows you to do some really good things. But if you're going to run this bend, don't break, it requires sure tackling. Chris Ass came in, changed their tackling style tech it was ugly but really since then they've cleaned it up and it's getting better and better and we're not talking about missed tackles anymore and that's incredible so that goes to the linebackers coach to the secondary coach certainly the defensive line and I do think you have to call specifically out the defensive line this week right we talked about overshown um you you know incredible game but I think the the defensive line with an x-man up mentality I mean Coburn going out let's hope that's not incredibly serious because you know the team is significantly better with him uh there but there was a point gerald I-, I i paused it and wrote it down there was a point um when when the front seven included sawyer gorham welch true freshman which Whoa, that's I- I was shocked to see him out there but you know good for you jet bush and david benda um Probably not the names we have been talking about a bunch on this podcast, probably not the names that casual fans are particularly aware of. Um, and I think on that play, Benda filled a hole to get like a, a rush for zero yards, stepped up in in the B gap, and and you know, like I, that's great. Like, if, if if we're coaching first level and second level to where we can have this much rotation, I mean, I mean, Tavandre Sweat came in and, and basically made us not miss Keandre Coburn. Like, that's incredible. Good, good. Good for you. I mean, that's that's a, a feat to do. I thought Sweat was one of the best players on on the field, without a doubt. Um, you know, batting down passes, just getting in there, disrupting things. Uh, certainly, TV and TQ both uh, in the inside. Taquan Graham also good. Uh, I thought I thought this may have been more Ojimo's best game. Absolutely. Um, I, I think they schemed against Osai, so we basically said, who's our guy? Who's really going to get in there if, if they're trying to take. Our best weapon away and we talked about how much we've liked Ojimo these past two weeks trying to emulate Joseph Osai trying to do his best impression he was he was all over in the backfield he got the sack tackle for loss just was creating pressure wreaking havoc um you know I really liked to see that it it, it feels to me like um you know th- that line is is a is a well-oiled machine I wish Big Al would have got that uh that interception and yeah. and probably pick six because I mean the way old boy whipped them hips to read that screen was one of the most sumptuous moves I have seen on a football field. And if you're not a deep football fan, you may not groan in in or, you know, moan in pleasure as at watching a three hundred and twenty pound eighteen year old uh, you know, quickly with this with yeah, sure. With with the speed of uh, you know a bullet train, he hyperlooped his hips from going one direction, whipped him around to read a screen and break in and almost intercept a pass that again he he was seeing pick six uh, ahead of him. Unfortunately, in true Texas fashion, of course they scored two plays later because you know we can't have nice things. But uh, y- you know that was their only touchdown, and it was almost negated by an incredible play by the defensive line. So I just love that we are talking depth. We're talking guys further down. We're talking, you know, everyone's performing at the top. Um, we're talking accountability, honestly, right? This was not the best cadence Stearns game. We, you talked about just his body up to the task. There was a point that uninjured, he was pulled out. Coaches were talking to him and then put back in. And and hey, he responded. He kept playing his butt off. Again, he had a couple mistakes. Um, basically, both of the potential touchdowns were on him. Um, he he was beat on a, on a corner route that was ran in for a touchdown the next play and then the the drop touchdown was I think his man as well so you that is an area of concern I, I similar to Sam don't think he's 100% healthy and I don't want to just talk about the good things of this defense because it's it's we have to be realistic right we still have um, decent opponents I think um, the, the fact that probably our best opponent likes to run the ball like the two teams we played makes me feel good but uh, we, we still have talent coming up in the Big 12. If we, if we want this goal of, of running the table, some things have to go right. But, uh, again, talking about this game specifically, uh, incredibly pleased all, all across the board with our defense.
0: Yeah, and to kind of put a button on, on my impressions of the defense – the, this was a game that I like as a guy who who air quotes played defensive line uh, for a while is that your defensive line doesn't have to show up on the stat sheet because of the way that they played and the way that they schemed. Um, West Virginia is going to try to run the ball between the tackles and so what you do as a defensive lineman is you occupy blockers, you occupy space and let your linebackers fill a hole, fill a spot or bounce outside. And so when you look at who leads the stat sheet, that's exactly what this defensive line did. Because who are your leading tacklers? Joan Mitchell and DeMarvy in Overshown. Jawan Mitchell as a middle linebacker, filling the gap when you when you can occupy multiple blockers and let your middle linebacker fill a hole fill a spot that's exactly what you need to do that's a win you're get you're get you're getting the Sam ellinger bottom pat from your coach not the referee uh, in the in the film room because that's exactly what you want to do as a defensive end you occupy a blocker you keep it outside arm free and force the running back to bounce it outside to your uber athletic converted five-star safety will linebacker who can absolutely make that play and now can make Make open field tackles because of the coaching we talked about, and then the the two other guys, Deshaun Jameson and, and Chris Adamora, who are playing close to the line and run support based on the scheme. Those are your next two tacklers. So like that schematically, when you look at the stat sheet and you think about what Texas scheme to do, they played it perfectly. And we do again. There were blown coverages. There were, and West Virginia not having the talented skill positions bailed Texas out a little bit. Sure, and that's and that's we can again the drop touchdown pass. There were some weird routes that got overthrown. And and I, this was the type of Big Twelve officiating that I like, where they let the corners and and uh, safeties play a little physical on both sides of the ball. If you're gonna let them play yep. physical, fine. Call it both ways. I love that because that's football, and that's yep. what I like to see. Don't like don't have a quick whistle. Don't have a quick flag. Let the let the boys on the field make the play or not make the play and I liked seeing that. And so um, you and I who took who who were questioning DeMarvin Overshone early in the season like we we've said it like that dude is a real linebacker. Like he has made that turn, he's made that transition and I thought it was really funny on Sunday he tweeted a meme of a guy that's saying, you know, I've only been around for 3 days and then he just put asterisk months, which yeah. the self-awareness on that kid is just <laughs> incredible. And so like that to me is like He's only been playing linebacker in this scheme for three months, so the ceiling that he has as a linebacker, and let's just, what what does the NFL pay for? It pays for guys who can affect the passing game, and D. has now proven as a linebacker he's a guy that can affect the passing game, and that to me is absolutely the the brightest spot on the defense that full of bright spots is the upside that d Overshone has now that he's fully made the transition
1: yeah and, and right here i'm gonna go ahead and propose a new nickname on this very podcast it just came to me i'm gonna call him the sharp from arp uh, of course from arp texas he's a sharp man he's learning positions so the sharp from Arp, 88.7 this week from pro football focus is best by far just great i loved it i think you know bravo bravo d.o
0: so it wasn't all bright spots for for Texas. There were there were some struggles in the other two phases of the game, and so we do we'll, we'll start and we'll talk about um, the special teams real quickly uh, because there's not a ton to talk about. So I wanted to just slide that in there. Um, but again, uh, Ryan Bushevsky had a had a great game, and then for the second year in a row sees his uh, season end early due to an injury. He was averaging before the injury 43 three. A punt and five of his six, I believe, went uh, inside the five. Now, that is also thanks to some great gunning on the outside from <laughs> the rest of the team. So um, we'll see what that turns out with because uh, Cameron Dicker, the kicker, is now Cameron Dicker, the punter as well, uh, who punted uh, in high school. But um, it's been a minute. And we'll see how it goes. Dicker was one of two, hit from thirty-four, and kind of pushed one from forty six. Like it looked like it was it looked like it was just a weird sequence of a weird snap, weird hold, weird steps. I'm not sure um, what happened there, but he, he kept the, the the kick return game from being an issue for Texas. There there's the special teams unit continues to be a mixed bag, and I think um, it seemed like Bushevsky had turned the corner before the injury happened.
1: Uh, yeah that's tough man and and uh, folks we might just have an answer on what the future looks like at that position. Keep listening to this podcast. We we bring you the the, the details on on kicking and punting. Obviously this is Texas foremost kicking and punting podcast. Um, I, you know it's it's I feel for Byshevsky. He really um, Oklahoma State, I said he was He was probably, you know, he and Jamison were, were both special teams players of the week in the country. They were both incredible. I thought he He really, you know, was in sync with Josh Thompson with that set him up, knock him down, pin him inside the five play that they were running, run that all the time. That's awesome. Um, and so it's terrible to see him, you know, tear the ACLB out for the year, basically as he was planting, trying to not even really make a tackle but avoid a tackle that happened, um, you know, near him. So I, I – you hate to see it. You really hope Dicker can step up here, and that punt unit can continue from being a monstrosity at the beginning of the season to being a huge plus. Um, was probably not a coincidence to Texas going on a win streak, right? I think being a plus in the, in, in that game, being able to, to you know turn the field and 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 keep field position battles in the big 12 and allow that defense that is stepping up, but you know, all the chances you can, um, that, that is going to hurt. I'm hoping Dicker comes in and blows us away. Uh, I looked back actually at Dicker's high school, you know, he averaged uh, over 72 punts over two years, just, just under 37 yards. He did have a 66 yarder, a 61 yarder each of his long for junior and senior years. So he, he could boot it. I think I was looking at the Coles kicking camp. He was rated of course, a five-star, uh, kicker and a four and a half star, Punter um, in high school in that that's you know kind of the the big kicking camp that everyone from around the country uh, goes to kicking I believe and also long snapping but uh, kicking punting long snapping but um, maybe we should go there Gerald seems like right up our alley for this podcast but uh, so I mean Dicker at least has has some some talent there um, has some skill it's not like we're putting a nobody but uh, you do hate um, when you had a guy just getting it to, to see that to see that change but the to look at the other side too Dicker seventeen for twenty six now in his career sixty five percent. Um, from greater than 40 I mean if you remember that OU kick that really the the wink that launched uh, you know a thousand memes and, and really made him gave us this perception that don't worry Cameron Dicker is one of the best kickers in the country was exactly 40 yards anything over 40 yards and he has had actually decent success on some deep bombs but that 40 to 50 we've talked about it a lot in this podcast has been um has been a bit of a struggle in this last couple of kicks it seemed like he's been flirting with that that left upright he finally just uh, went went too far on it again it's one kick. We won the game. I'm not blaming the kid. I'm not out on the kid. Nothing like that. Just something to watch when you're adding duties on top of what he's already doing. If you're wearing him out a little bit more, um, you know, keep an eye on his kicking numbers. Make sure they stay uh, up, or can you know, of course, even even get get better because we've been averaging a couple field goal attempts uh, a game. But um, the other thing with the special teams, I thought not good was was Jamison looked like he had a, a blood in his mouth. He had tasted. Uh, is the shark the week before, and he wanted to run everything back. Three punts returns for negative two. Just, you know, probably could have fair caught some of those and and probably tried to beat a couple guys, you know, first where he goes backwards that – you know, maybe take the five yards ahead of you. I, I get it. He wants to break another big one. Two kick returns for 18 yards. Uh, I'm not knocking the guy. You don't return every one every week. Um, but you know, maybe th- this will help recalibrate uh, where he doesn't just see uh, no one in front of him in the end, end zone out there. And 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 you know, let's let's be easy and make sure we're just doing all the things minimum. Let's keep catching them all. No no fumble. So I'll take that. And I always put special teams with penalties. Maybe I'm weird to doing that. But this was a season low for the offense and defense and of course special teams, four penalties for Texas, and like you said, a lot of that's the refs calling it the way they did, um, and we hope they continue to do that. But I think some of it, hopefully, is is Texas trying to, um, trying to emphasize discipline. And so, you know, I talked about some some negatives. So I do want to add this or wrap this unit with a positive. So if only four penalties uh, is the best thing I take take away.
0: Here's my expectation for the punting game moving forward, and really just special teams uh, as a whole is just don't be a liability that was our that was the issue early on it's just don't be a liability like do your job good enough to not screw either side of the ball right that's that's really all texas needs to do so i think escape this season with with a respectable record and so like just don't be a liability cameron dicker don't try to do too much just kick just punt the dang ball get it out hudson card did punt a little bit in high school just throwing that out there when you can see that guy get the field for the last couple of games also jared wiley was an incredible punter let's not forget More touches for Wiley. However he gets them, get the ball in (laughs) that man's hands. Hashtag Wiley Hive, the originators of the Wiley Hive. A punter, a quarterback,
1: a a tight end. Just let, on fourth down, snap it to Wiley and let him decide what he wants to do. He could throw it, he could punt it, he can run it. This revolution in the punting game, I'm telling you. Six foot seven punters who played quarterback are the future of punting. Forget Australia, I'm kidding. We're still going to get Aussies. But for now, Wiley Hive, baby.
0: No, keep the Aussies coming. Come on, man, <laughs> keep it coming. So, real, we're going to talk about the offense because the offense is the offense. Um, the big story. There are two big stories: one positive, probably, and one not so positive. Uh, and we again, because we're the sunshine pumpers, we are. Uh, we'll start with the positive. Bijan, the man, the myth, the legend, has arrived officially 12 carries 113 yards kind of started with a lightning bolt of 54 yards. But the cool thing about that 54 yard one is like, well, it's kind of floating as average. Then you look at, he's like, Oh, he's basically averaging five and a half a carry, which is still really absolutely incredible. He also had two touches in the past game for 38 yards included kind of that games game clincher at the end, um, for Texas. And so that, um, Bijan was named the Big 12 Newcomer of the Week. The uh, was named to the Football Writers Association of America Fresh Four. Uh, Texas did recover his one kind of freshman fumble mistake, but there is a lot of smoke in the 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 is Bijan the best running back on campus conversation now. And I think we all we all had a sense of it, but I think we now have some empirical proof that. Bijan is probably at least the most talented. There's still some freshman things he needs to do to clean up, but I think from a what we've seen on the field now through two-thirds of the season, the most impressive back of the three has been Bijan Robinson, and I don't know if it's if it's close, Kyle.
1: I, yeah, I mean, I, look, the two runs, if you just take two plays, not even his, his big catch to seal the game, if you take the two runs, the 54-yarder and – the uh I think it was an eighteen yarder in the scorebook, but on the number of retweets was like a 3.2 millioner. um but you know the the one that went viral that, that was eighteen yards but literally could have been seventy eight. There was so much green ahead of him, but I still haven't seen an angle that showed him going out of bounds. So we could be talking about even greater game, even greater numbers. But just the amount that he did. So they're very they're two very different runs. But I think they showed why he was Every one of those five stars. They showed why, you know, even though you have a guy like Roshan Johnson, who's one of the most beloved players in the program and just works his tail off, and himself a very, very good player. And even though you have Keontae Ingram, just your, your tried and true blue bud running back recruit who did all the things in high school, has done, you know, he's had a couple of bad things, but has done really all the things you want uh, in college. You know, he's, of course, injured right now, but there's a reason why. There's rarefied air. And when you talk about Bijan, it's that next conversation of which one of the longhorn graces is he compared to. Um, but in those two runs, you saw two different, probably, comparisons, which is incredible. He's channeling different grades. He's making his own. I think his his at his height being six foot and his ability to keep his balance and center of gravity is unlike any of our, our Texas greats. Um his, you know, the the stiff arm, the spin off of defenders hitting him and, and and the power run, you know, some would say Earl, I, you know, more modern maybe gives gives Ricky. But but that 54 yarder is Jamal Charles esque. I mean to a T. You have a hole. It's one wiggle. It's a sidestep, you know, sidestep Step wiggle, you're still going forward. You just move your line and you hit the hole hard, right? That's it. You hit it fast and hard. And then, of course, look, I am not going to pretend like you do that without good blocking, right? We'll talk about the line in a second, but on that play, Jake Smith makes a great, great block. Eagles, who's outside, doesn't have a man, goes inside, crosses over Smith to seal off the safety, which again, maybe bees on stiff arms him if he doesn't, but allows him just to to shift one more time uh, his his straight line speed and just burst and go. And at that point, it goes from being, man, that was a good 10-yard run to, ooh, what, how many are we looking at? And that's how you get to 54 yards right there. So, I mean, when you're talking Jamal Charles, when you're talking Ricky Williams as your comps, I mean, th- there's something special there. And I think We've only seen the tip of the iceberg. We're running two running backs now with Keontae still out. Um, I don't think even with the bye, he's probably expected back for Kansas. But So if you have two running backs and we are you know looking to establish this running game, is there a thought that Bijan can start averaging 15, 17, 18 carries a game and see what the kid can do? Um, he's looked electric. In previous weeks, the move that I kept seeing was, you know, coming out of the backfield or off of catches was the little plant his foot hesitation um, and and kind of explode. Not even really a juke, just enough to throw his body weight um, and and just, just, yeah, just exactly dead leg and and get defenders off. And that, you know, every time he did it was an extra seven yards, which, uh, you know, I love. Um, But, you know, we're seeing more moves. We're seeing more from the repertoire. It makes, there's a reason every fan board, every Texas site, everywhere is salivating at the prospect. Of giving this guy more carries. Again, I don't want it to where we go to giving 100 carries, you know, a a game. We'll we'll talk uh, a little bit about Charlie Strong's offense later here in my bang the drum. But uh, I see the talent. Everyone sees the talent. We all thought this is what we were getting. and, And it was nice to see it come to fruition. Again, let's couch all of this against one of the top 10 rush defenses in the country, by far the best defensive line in the big 12, literally one of the best in the country. That's like doing it against Alabama. Like that's what, that's what you folks need to remember right now.
0: Yeah. And, and I think the Jamal Charles comparison comes from his ability to make a guy miss in the hole. Which I mm-hmm. there's only one running back at Texas that I've seen do that at least in modern like the way Jamal Charles could slightly shift his body, uh, make one guy miss in the back at full speed is legendary, right? And like it's impossible to compare a guy who ran a four three five I think in high school to anybody uh, that's ever played yeah. real, the running back position at Texas. But the the comp that most people make for Bijan Robinson is Alvin, Alvin Kamara, and that makes mm. complete sense, right? When you think mm-hmm. of when you think of the running back of the future. And we're trying to take off the burnt orange colored glasses on this, but like it's, it's hard not to when you look at a guy with that size, that combination of size and speed and really the acceleration and the way and the, the calls for 20 carries a game worries me just because of the way we don't know what we're going to get from the offensive line all the time, 20 carries a game, if that's your game plan, I think is losing losing effort. But I think if it's 20 touches a game, I'm way more comfortable with that. Because when you look at the, the ways and the plays that, that Bijan made – it was when he was in space and had some room to operate. That that fifty-four yarder was because it was kind of an off tackle, and he made a guy miss. And, and really, he had a lot of room to operate, right? There was a lot of green space in front of him for him to play chess with a much less athletic defensive back, right? And and that's that's really where I think Bijan is going to be the most effective until Texas figures out the offensive line issues. Is like, how do we get our probably most at least when you look at talent to, for talent's sake, talented offensive weapon get him in space and let him make a play and let him just be athletically gifted. Like that is, is the Rubik's cube that Texas needs to figure out on offense. So is it, you know, those off tackles, is it that the speed option that they ran to like Kai money and to, to Malcolm Epps? Like, again, I, I hate that play call, but like, how do, how do we create that type of space for a player like Bijan? How do we create that? Because if that, if that's a player uh, and, don't get me wrong, Kai Money. There's like dude, dude has came up and, and really he's made some plays for Texas. Don't hear me sure. saying that, but like that's not a play that should go to Kai Money in in a conference game that you have to win, right? So like, how do we scheme Bijan into those situations? How do you scheme a guy like a guy who's again your most talented offensive player on? And again, not saying like like he's more important or whatever. Like you're gonna hear what you're gonna hear, or whatever. But like when when you look at like talent just walking on campus, sure. right? God given, born from the Talent. Bijan Robinson is probably the most talented guy on this team. And so when you look at like what he is able to do getting him in space, that's the way to do it. Like 20 carries doesn't move me, but 20 touches, whether it's a swing pass, whether it's a screen, whether it's a, you know, whether it's a, whether it's a, an RPO where he kind of squeaks out on the backside, right? A bootleg, whatever it may be. Like that to me is the recipe for success with Bijan because you don't know what his offensive line is going to do. And, and, We'll we'll talk about that in just a moment, but like the offensive line played well this game. We can't really say that the offensive line was a liability that they have been in recent years, because again, you don't crack off those runs without at least some some operating space in the backfield. Um, and they they I mean they gave only gave up one sack to a team that features not one but two stills. So like the offensive line played really really well this week, and don't hear us yeah, diminishing what they did because they they turned in I would say probably the best performance I've seen from the Texas offensive line this year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and hey, give give K. Brewer credit. He also came across, I think, uh, and, and sprung, you know, that, that first run of B. Johnson. And, and we've, where we've criticized, we have to praise. We always say that. Where, where we praise, we have to criticize, right? Let's be fair and, and balanced. If you want, you know, pure sunshine or pure, uh, the sky is falling. There are other podcasts and other uh, sites that you can get your information. Gerald and I are always going to try to remain something of, of, uh, a healthy balance right and so yeah let's praise Cade Brewer on, on the block on that play let's praise the offensive line honestly against a really incredible um, unit they also kept Sam clean right this was one of the first games that it didn't feel like Sam was was running for his life and if you would have asked me before the season to circle the one that was most likely for that it would have been this this week um, so give them a ton of credit right they, they were not oh my gosh they're blowing people off they're elite this is the best offensive line but we didn't have to talk about him. They were pretty good. They gave the running backs room. They kept Sam's jersey clean for the most part. Um, one sack only a couple, you know, pressures. So, um that helps, right? And and let's talk about it. Right? Let's let's talk about Sam. Um, it, Sam isn't 100%. We know that. Like we're, we're not going to sit here and and pretend anything is or isn't what it is, right? I mean, he's he's been a bit up and down. Uh, I'm going to talk about his his throwing numbers in my banging the drum as well and his, his struggle with the deep ball but um, when asked this week and everyone was wondering about it is, is he hurt um, no one is, is confirming or denying or saying anything more than hey it's football season everyone's body breaks and everyone gets hurt look he's taking a lot of hits uh, this is the first week we really got to keep him clean I mean the folks aren't really denying it but I mean remember he played last year with a broken or fractured rib like Sam has been hurt a lot of his career. He, the way he plays, he takes uh, a, a lot of hits, but it came to kind of head in in this game. Um, it was noticeable, 15 for 31, under 50%, passing 184 yards, two touchdowns, did have 12, 12 rushes for 39 yards. Um, look, uh, Sam is not, our offense is not going to be the Kyler Murray U offense where he's taken the top off six or seven or ten times a game with fifty yard passes that's that's probably not who Sam was as a recruit as a freshman It's probably not who he was at his most health, most healthy at his best um and I don't think that's what he is now but there there are still some effective things he can do he he got a you know a, a crucial third down pickup a couple times on the ground you know when when he takes off he's he's smart um he he's a, he's efficient he he hit you know, uh, majority of his short passes when he needed to. He, he did miss some on some key third downs that, you know, you, you could have seen him do a little better. He, he, I thought, got some good help from his receivers. I thought Jake Smith, his catch going out of bounds was incredible on that out route. Uh, it was a second down, not a third down. And then uh, Tarek Black had an incredibly strong-handed catch that Sam actually zipped one and and he pulled it in, dropped one later to even it out. But um, I, I think a combination of under-throwing the deep balls that if he is quicker with it, if he reads it a second faster, I don't know if he's adding an extra hitch to try to throw the deep ball or if he's not sure about it. And so he's hesitating a moment longer. If he's not seeing it, I don't know, but there's probably three or four deep balls that Eagles touchdown, um, that he had to stop for in the end zone and jump for comes to mind. The Eagles touchdown that wasn't that Sam just missed when he had about three steps, um, certainly comes to mind. Um, you know, bye week is great. Get healthy. Get rest. No one should touch Sam this entire week. Put him in a bubble, right? Like, let him heal. Um, Kansas, I don't want to see him get touched much in the coming week either. So take a couple weeks. We'll, We'll talk about that. Let him get healthy. I don't know that two weeks fixes four years worth of hits and ails, um, but let's get him to his best self. Let's get him to how he felt when he was playing UTEP. Again, it's UTEP, but he looked like he was zipping the ball. He looked like he was reading quick. He looked like he was getting the ball out of his hands on time. Let's get back to there, even to Texas Tech. Let's get back to the beginning of the season before, really, the, the, the hits started taking their toll.
0: The bye week, and again, this is always the dumbest thing, right? The bye week came at the right time uh, because – you know, Tom Herman said in, in a, press, a press address that uh, he's not really sure where the, the news that Sam is playing injured comes from. But, like, they said it on the TV broadcast on Saturday and also, like, we have eyes. So, like, <laughs> if, if Sam is not playing injured, then there's something really – something's rotten in the state of Denmark if Sam's not playing injured. Um, and if Sam is playing injured, then we understand why he's, he's struggling and, and missing on some passes that we've seen him hit. Time and time again, and I think there's also something to be said about the relationship and the turnover at wide receiver, right? Sam doesn't have the the security blanket that is Devin Duvernay or Colin Johnson, and, and we saw last year even um, the games where I think Sam had his strongest performances were not Devin Duvernay games, but were Colin Johnson games, where Colin Johnson was able to even even just having the security blanket of having Colin Johnson having a safety over the top of him yeah. changed some things for Sam in the passing game, and so I think that's again why I think Devin Duvernay was a able to, to get a lot underneath because there wasn't a safety because they were like, hey, we're going to double team the guy that's enormous. Uh, so there's there's a lot to be said about, like, is it is it a relationship with the receivers thing? Is it a chemistry with the receivers thing? Is it a, which is all stuff that you work out when you have spring practice, which is all stuff that you work out when you're not installing an offense three months prior to the season. So there's a lot to be said about where the struggles are coming from, but I think for for Texas, thankfully, they've got to tune up against Kansas. We'll just go and say Kansas is, yeah. I think, somehow worse than they've ever been, uh, which is weird to say. But, well, granted, Puka Williams opted out because, like, hey, I'm not going to play for free anymore in front of you, jokers. So, like, yeah. there's, there's, there's a lot to be said about giving, getting – hopefully they can get Sam out of the game early against Kansas. Hopefully they can get Hudson Card or Casey Thompson some reps against Kansas because they shouldn't need Sam to win that game. They should not need Sam to win that game. And so if the defense can come out and pitch another one of these and the Texas offense can just win on sheer talent alone in the first half, hopefully they can get Sam out of the game early and keep those hits from continuing to accumulate on his body.
1: My my hot take. We'll talk about our Kansas preview. I would love to see a quarterback a quarter. Let's go, Sam Casey Hudson, and get JQJ in there in the fourth quarter. Let's get a quarterback a quarter against Kansas. That's my my uh, bold strategy. I don't know if it'll happen, but hey, come on. So, all right, Joe. I do want to talk quickly about those receivers because I I think I've seen a lot of talk about the receivers not helping Sam. Jake Smith had you know three catches for sixty yards in that touchdown. Sam missed Eagles on a pass um, the play before and then hit. Uh, hit Jake Smith the next time for the touchdown, so kind of made up for it. Like I said, great uh, catch from Smith, blocked well all day. Eagles, man, we're talking about the Eagles game. If Sam doesn't miss him on two different touchdowns, he had four catches for 43 yards, did most of that work underneath. It was catching the third down, you know, when they have soft coverage with a, with an eight-yard uh, in route or, or you know, um, catching that touchdown on a, on a mesh across and then getting it upfield. It wasn't the typical outside receiver, Brendan Eagles, go deep, 40 yards, I'm going to try to hit you. Um, he did that, and he was open. You could have easily added 100 yards and two more touchdowns, and we're talking about a six-catch, 150-yard, three-touchdown day, which would be epic. Um, but, you know, still, I think, Sam gave him a jump ball in that under throw. Maybe Eagles could have caught that. But, you know, I I thought both of those guys played well. They were the two who showed out for me. Obviously, Bijan had the good catch. But but where's everyone else? To me, with the receivers, what, you know, Josh Moore um, really not being existent in this game. Um, you know, schooler had another one that Sam underthrew that he tried but couldn't get. Uh, we're not seeing any whatever whoever it's gonna be. I don't care if it's Marcus Washington, Calvante Dixon. I don't care who it is. Like we're not seeing any of those other guys step up. The fact that Kai Money is in on those crucial plays tells me something's up with our receiver rotation. Either guys aren't performing in practice, they're having drops, they're not selling out. Um, I don't know what it is. Like I. We we've talked a lot about our personnel and and whether we need a tight end on the field or two tight ends on the field or can we put more in the slot or can, you know there's there's different conversations that have been going on for weeks and weeks. I just we're at the end of the season and it still doesn't feel like we've figured out uh, our best receiving rotation. So again, bye week, please let's figure something out. If your quarterback is struggling, let's make the receivers make plays. Two plus plays this game, uh, maybe three if you count Smith's touchdown, where receivers helped their quarterback out. I want five or six of those a game. Look at look at what happened when Jamison had an interception in the West Virginia receiver, who isn't as good as any of the Texas receivers, went over top of him and just pulled it out of his hand. I want some more of those plays. Josh Moore's done it a couple times this season. Go help your quarterback out. I want to see those. I want that to be a, a feature of this unit as we wrap up the season.
0: So as we wrap up football, we do have to give a quick Thomas update. Uh, Kyle expanded his lead somehow, hit on both of them. Uh, <sighs> Thanks to Bijan, you should probably go ahead and give him at least three of your points. Um, but 142 yards from the running back beats your 130 prediction uh, and under 80 for any West Virginia wide receiver. They finished out at 71. I hit on the Letty Brown. I said 100. He only got 47. Uh, I thought Sam would hit 200. He had 184, maybe one of those passes is on point. I hit yep. it, you know, we're we're it's a yep. game of inches Kyle and Potsdromus is a game of me not being very good at it and that's just okay. <laughs> uh
1: Gerald, I, I honest to goodness, like I was looking at the stats and and I feel like I have I have biffed you. I have somehow got the sports book. I've gone back in time. There's no way that I should have said 130 and then they get 142 or less than 80 and they get 71. Like calling these to this razor thin margin, like you have every right to to lodge a formal complaint, lawsuit, you know, Stop the count! Like you're 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 getting you're getting jobbed here, Gerald. And I feel bad about it. I really am not trying to be this dang good. It's it's almost embarrassing to be this good at something.
0: For me, I would <laughs> rather be the guy on the podcast to say Texas is going <laughs> to scheme out. The running game and force Jared Deggy to beat you, which you can't. I'd rather be that guy than the guy who <laughs> wins the Potsdamas prediction each and every week. And I'm completely okay with, with being the football guy and not to pull some random stats out of my hind parts <laughs> and win this competition guy. And I'm completely 100% okay with that. <laughs> so quickly running through down the 40, the part where we give some shine to the rest of the programs on campus. Quickly, volleyball had some uh, fireworks in the Frank Irwin Center against Baylor, rallied back from an 0-2 start on uh, Thursday to win three straight to win that night. And then the second night, won the first two, lost the second two, and then won the third or the fifth and final set to sweep basically the only other good team in the conference, the Baylor Bears, who were sitting at number three nationally um, before uh, heading into that game as a 1-3 matchup. So Texas retains the number one spot in the country over the Baylor Bears, something that they split the season series with them last year. Thankfully, you only Mm got to play them once this year uh, before at least any potential NCAA matchup.
1: Yeah, look, Texas, I think it's not over. They still need to do a little bit more to wrap the season up, but I I believe they're playing the the championship tournament in the spring for this now, and I think Texas is all but guaranteed a number one seed uh, in that. They look very good. Kentucky wedged their way in when they started their season. I think they've only played four games, but they're number two now. Undefeated, Of course, they 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 knocked Baylor. They're the reason. We said this was a one versus two. Well, they ranked Kentucky now and slid Baylor to three. But this was, look, two of the best teams in the country. And they played electric volleyball. But I just wanted to point out, so Baylor has the reigning national player of the year. And she was very, very good, Yesenia. But um, Texas looked every bit the part. And I just want to point out they did this without their libero Morgan O'Brien who's been legitimately like all big 12 at least if not potentially all American caliber this year she leads Texas in digs and aces but um in NCAA or eight ranks right now. I went and took a look at some stats. Logan Eggleston is second in points per set, fourth in kills per set. Jenna Gabriel is second in the country in assists per uh, set. Breon Butler is is fourth in the country in blocks, uh, as well as fifth in hit percentage. Uh, that also includes Skylar Fields at seventh, and Molly Phillips at 15th in hitting percentage this season. So Texas is all over the place. They're the, the second in the country in hitting percentage. Again, Kentucky plays only a couple matches, so they've jumped them in a couple of these stats. Second in kills Um per per set in in third and assists and fourth and blocks so they are literally one of the best teams if not unequivocally the best team in the country and this was their signature moment that they needed so now it's just a matter of cleaning up taking care of business finish out the year and then whenever they do play that tournament like I said I think it's going to be in the spring tentatively right now uh go in and win yourself a national championship women
0: we talk a lot about the offense but that that Thursday night um, match really hinged on a defensive play of Briani Butler. And she absolutely came up with a clutch block that really allowed Texas to seize momentum and seize that game. So the offense is incredible. Um, but, but the, the defense and the blocking um, like it's absolutely, absolutely incredible. So uh, soccer, Unfortunately, fell to Texas Tech in the regular season finale, 1-0. Minute 54, Kristen Davis scored the only goal of the game. Texas uh, finishes the season now 4-5 and after a promising stretch to close the season. That was actually their only—they um, they, they struggled on the road, got it really done well at home. 3-1 and at home, 1-4 and on the road. You tilt one of those either way, and things probably turn out differently for Texas.
1: Yeah, and they felt like luck wasn't on their side, unfortunately, for the, the seniors in their last game. They hit the woodwork like five or six times. Um, but, you know, they, they did have senior night, I believe, Sunday. Um, they had senior night back at, at Mike Myers. They presented all the seniors with a framed jersey, some photos from their playing time. There wasn't a lot of people in the stands. It was mainly just for the team to celebrate. Um, and... and um, Social media is not the answer, but some of our better seniors, uh, some of the younger players were saying, you know, they are offering extra eligibility next year if you want to come back. So who knows? Maybe we'll get another year with some of those seniors if they so choose. Remember, that is uh, an option for for athletes this season. But either way, incredible careers for Haley Berg, some other seniors, um, and unfortunately this season didn't go that way, but uh, a weird year for everyone all around.
0: Absolutely. So again, horns up for the ladies we love how you uh, how you played this year. Men's basketball added Villanova to the Big 12 Big E showdown. They're going to face the number three Wildcats and the number two Baylors, Baylor Bears in a seven-day stretch. We're not going to talk a ton about that because, well, we're going to have a full basketball preview for you this Thursday, so we'll be excited about that. Uh, women's basketball, uh, we'll do a preview for them on Tuesday. We've actually got a guest coming in to help us out with that, but uh, point guard Kira Lambert was named to the Nancy Lieberman Best Point Guard Watch List. There were 20 candidates. Uh, she he is one of those transfers that started to heat up after the Vic Schaefer move so we're excited to see how things turn out with her and then finally men's tennis they swept the top flight so kind of the, the upper tier um, tournaments in both doubles and singles of the big six fall invitational uh, Elliot uh, Spiziri is what I'm going to go with and CM world dab one doubles uh, Spiziri and freshman Micah Braswell were co-champions in singles so Texas continues to clean up in the country club. But now is the part of the show. We honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, big Bertha. And we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week?
1: Well, I talked about Texas football. I talked about Texas offense and I, I hinted that I would be going a little bit in here. I just wanted to say, let's go back a little bit to the Charlie strong days when it felt like we just uh, were inept on offense and we had to find something. Well, there was a player at Texas who came in as the unheralded uh, recruit to an older brother who was the, <clears throat> the more sought after recruit. I'm of course talking about the and Donta Foreman. And Dante Foreman had himself a year. I thought a, a Doak Walker and Heisman caliber year, honestly. Um, even though the team was not remarkably successful. But um, in in his final year in 2016, uh, Foreman had 1100 yard rushing games. Just a, an incredible year. Since he left, Texas has nine of those. Two were for Sam from Sam Ellinger, and one was this week from Bijan Robinson. So. What does that mean? It does not mean that Texas doesn't have running backs. Texas doesn't know how to run the ball. It means that Texas offense has changed, right? We've talked about spreading the ball around, having more running options. Last year, we had no running options, um, and everyone was hurt. Um, But it does mean that the offense has evolved, and I think that's a good thing. However, they brought in, in that time, a quarterback in Sam Ellinger who they think can throw the ball and throw the ball a lot, right? And, and and if you look at this season's passing numbers, I broke them down. In the intermediate, in the short and behind the line of scrimmage, Sam has been pretty good, right? I think he's completed like 90% behind the line, almost 80% of his short, you know, under 10-yard, uh, or 75% of his under 10-yard passes, so he's, he's doing fine. In the intermediate, um, the 10- to 20-yard passes, he's actually been Pretty good. He's 27 to 39, around 69%. He has 560 yards from those uh, 27 uh, completions. Eight touchdowns have come out of there uh, and only one interception. But if you look at the deep ball, Sam is completing 14 for 55. That's 25.5%. Uh, 408. He actually has less on the deep ball than the intermediate. Six touchdowns, but Three interceptions uh, out of those passes, um, and if you compare that to the 2019 stats, he's down about 14 percent in his completions. His yards, you know, are anemic. He had 1,129 last year. He's at 480, and touchdowns are about half. He's got six this year compared to 13 in that range. Um, and even though he's he's uh, attempted about 28 less, uh, he has um, the same amount of interceptions. So. Breaking that to the micro... It seems like, and this is where we talked about Sam isn't 100%, in the last three games on the deep ball, Baylor is a bit of an outlier because he completed 42%, 161 yards. He did have an interception, but a a good chunk of that 161 came on a Tarek Black busted coverage that there was no one for 20 yards around him. I guarantee that they could have had a uh, Dr. Pepper fan moment where a fan came down on the field, won a contest, and got to throw that pass and could have completed it. He was that wide open, but nonetheless, since then, He was 1-4 for against Oklahoma State for 41 yards. That was that Brennan Eagles pass and a touchdown. 2-10 for in this West Virginia game. Again, 20%. 54 yards and and did have the touchdown. So, look, Bijan was was a sign of things to come. We can run the ball. We don't have to rely on Sam. But if this team is going to be good, if we're going to actually win out, we're going to win the Big 12 championship. We've said it uh, during the podcast. I'm saying it here again. We need to have a balanced offense. Let's have a 100-yard rusher. Then let's also get 280 310 yards passing if that's not taking the top off with the defense let's look and i hate to say this but at what neil brown did with Jarrett Dagey in the second half where texas was allowing ben don't break with quick hit seven eight eight yard routes that sam can throw he has in the bag but let's scheme those receivers open get the ball out of his hands quick let's bump those intermediate uh kind of yardage numbers and let's uh let's use all the weapons we have in the most effective way
0: i'm not sure what that's going to take but I'm curious to see if Texas can, can execute on that in late in the season just because it's been it's been such a weird year. And, again, I think some mm. of it has to do with the fact that, well, they installed a new offense in fall practice, which is just an absolutely terrible thing to have to do. So I'm banging the drum this week on perspective. And Kyle usually goes X's and O's, and I kind of go more philosophical on these things. But, like, none of us know what, what's going to happen. None of us know that Texas is going to win out and Texas is going to go to the Big 12 championship game. We don't know if Tom Hearn will be retained next year. We don't know if Tom Hearn will be fired. We'll bring in a new coach. We all have our, our choices and our thoughts and our feelings and opinions on what should happen. But the perspective I think that we all need to have as fans of the University of Texas and remembering that there are students and student-athletes on the other end of our Twitter fingers is the simple fact that like we don't know and you're allowed to have your opinion, you're allowed to have your thoughts but I think we all need to take a step back and realize that this is a, this is a, it's a children's game that we have somehow monetized into being a billion-dollar industry. And so when push comes to shove, like, I care about this. I get paid to talk about this. But when push comes to shove, it, these are these – are, 18 to 22 year olds, we can talk about compensation or lack thereof later on, but like they're, they're going out there because they love the game and they want to turn this into a greater opportunity for themselves, whether that's breaking generational cycles of debt and poverty because of education or whether that's a free education to hopefully start a business as a, as a young professional and create a legacy for your family, whatever that may be. Like we have to keep that in perspective as we talk about these things online, because again, these are these are young men who, men who are representing and kind of uh, trying to be emblematic of something that we all love and care about so deeply. And, and I love and care about it deeply, too. Again, I record this with my diploma from the University of Texas over my right shoulders. Like, I love and care about this as well. But we have to keep perspective on everything that's going on and just take it week by week.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you're you're exactly right. It's, it's, it's easy to forget and to get angry on Saturdays and get into it and tweet at recruits and tweet at players and say, this guy is awful. He stinks. He sucks. I, I know better than the coach. I could do that. But you're right, Gerald. A bit of Zen. The call map via Gerald Goodridge's voice. Just listen to this uh, this Zen part of the podcast over and over before and after you uh, you think about
0: uh, loading up a Twitter bomb. And uh, keep the perspective. That's all we've got for you this week. Before I turn it over to Kyle on His social media tags. We do want to remind you that we have a contest going on currently where you can win a free signed copy of Sam Macho's book Let the World See You. We've got it pinned at the top of our Twitter feed. You can retweet and like that tweet to get entered into the drawing. You can also follow us on Facebook and share that post we put on Facebook for some additional entries as well. That episode is kind of a bonus episode we put out on Friday. And then shout out to our friend No Rules Day on Twitter. uh, One of our international listeners in in Budapest which is so cool. Uh, But he was really he had some really, really kind things to say about the Sam Macho segment, kind of what it meant to him. Uh, so it was a bonus episode that came out last week on Friday. Listen to it. Retweet that tweet. Like that tweet. Share the post on Facebook. Like us on Facebook for an opportunity. We're just, we're just giving away a free signed copy of that book because uh, we believe in not just what Sam has to say, but, but kind of just, just pubbing up people that have positive things to say in the world. Kyle, where can the folks find you on the internet?
1: Uh, you can follow me on uh, Twitter, at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pre-Gamer at Texas Pre-Gamer.
0: You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Show on Twitter at LonghornPod. Shoot us an email, LonghornPodPod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook. We're going to do our post-game live streams every game day Saturday. Not one this Saturday because Texas is on a bye, but we've got one next week as Texas hopefully puts the boots to Kansas. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. And until next time, hook
1: Hookup. Don't try to run on the Great Wall.